0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. So um, last last Sunday, I understand you had a, a really good time with the Lord, and um, we're continuing our whole theme around living a next steps lifestyle, how to live as a worshipper, and uh, last week was around what what does it mean to grow in the fear and the knowledge of God and to honour him. And um, we shared that message across all four of our congregations last week. This week is very different. And and if you normally come on a Sunday, you realise, oh, wait a minute, he's on early. Uh, With what God is going to do this morning, we need to give ourselves time. Because um, as we've been going through this journey, we've just been touching on a few things around who is the God that we worship? How do we worship him? Why should we worship him? Um, how God has brought us into a place where we can do that. And um, this morning is going to be a, a lot more challenging. So I'll just put that out right now, OK? The doors are open, but they are guarded. Hallelujah. Um, but I just... As I'm just going to talk through some stuff and share a little bit of Scripture, a little bit of kind of my own story on applying some of the Scripture. But also, which is rare for me, I'm going to use some visual aids. So if you come this morning, you're really going to get a lot for your money. Is that okay? Um, But the, uh, the Bible speaks about patterns. There's all kinds of different patterns. And um, the reason why why God put that word pattern in there is because they give us a little bit of a taste of something without it becoming the real thing. Um, So there are patterns of how people kind of lived and and loved God. And there was a pattern of how they could approach God. And there was a pattern of of what what people that represented God's people did and all, all these kinds of things. But then in the New Testament, we find that that pattern is totally and utterly revealed to everybody in Jesus. Jesus isn't a pattern. Uh, He's not Coca-Cola. He is the real deal. Uh, He he is the real deal. And um, just last Sunday, just a little bit of testimony of of, of kind of what God was doing there. I I was in Switzerland uh, with a a church there that relates with us, led by Leon and Estelle. So some of you would know Leon and Estelle. Uh, They were part of what we were doing on Sunday evenings, what five years ago, four years ago, and they're now um, really the executive pastors in that whole workout in uh, just outside of Geneva. And I was over there with um, with a guy on Accelerate called Josh, uh, who's quite a quiet guy normally, uh, until until he goes with me and he seems to come alive and get a little bit of a hooligan. I don't know what happened to him, um, but anyway, it's good to see. Uh, he's got a little bit. Loud, I, I don't know. I, I started to pray for him. It's like, are you okay? Um, he was fine. He just got a little bit loud. Maybe I. What happens really with me? I don't know. Why what, what are you saying yes? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So last week we were at this church, and uh, we arrived. Uh, what I was told was a youth meeting, uh, which is fine. I like to be with young people. It keeps me alive. It keeps me fresh. And I said, great. Are we in the youth room then? He said, no. We're upstairs. Why? Because there's sixty people coming. Well, he hasn't got 60 people in his youth. He's got 25 in his youth. And I said, well, where's all these other people coming from? And he said, it's all their parents. He said, because when they knew you were coming, they wanted to come. I thought, great, thank you, Jesus. So I've moved from, uh, from the UK. I've flown over the Alps, hello. I've, I've landed in this little town, then into a little village. And then I thought I was going to be in one small room and ended up in a bigger room. I don't even know that life can sometimes be like that. You kind of think that you're going to go there, but you, you start in a little room, come on bigger... You know what I'm talking about. And it's a little bit like that. So um, we, we just kind of just began to pray, really. Just opened up the, the evening in, in prayer on the Friday. And God just began to speak straight away. Uh, there wasn't music particularly. There wasn't band going on particularly. There was probably about 10 or 15 minutes where God was just speaking to individuals in the room. And four of those people gave their lives to Jesus for the very first time. Four people re-gave their lives to Jesus. And one person got healed of 10 years of skin condition. So I thought, that's good, let's sit down. (laughs) You know, we've we've driven, we've flown, we've waited. Uh, But what I realised in that evening is that God speaks every language. Jesus is the Lord of all the nations. Every tribe and tongue will confess that he is Lord because he is unique. He is unique beyond anybody because he, he has rule over every nation. But when those nations recognize that, something happens. So there was me in the middle of this French, German, and a bit of Italian speaking. The first surprise I had was that Kai's sister was there. So I banged on the door and Micah opens it. And he's like, what are you doing here? You live in Germany. Have you lost your way? You know, whatever. But she'd only come because she knew that God was going to do something on that weekend. So she travelled five hours to be there. How many of you have travelled five hours to be here? Probably just feels like it, right? Then all the parents that came, they came because they knew they were going to meet with Jesus. They weren't coming because of me. I'm I'm not anybody. They came out of their streets, out of their... Some drove a couple of hours to be there because they knew that God was going to do something. All right? Then on a Saturday, when we were just supposed to have a little group, it was a bigger group. All these people came because they'd heard what God had done the night before. So during the day, they were all coming and people just came from whoever knows where. Then on the Sunday, it was supposed to be church service, but people came because they heard what God was doing. The point is... If you expect God to do something, we've got to come out of the room of being small into the room of being with God. We all live with a, with a walk with God that we have right now, whether we know God really well or whether we don't know him at all. If we want to know God, we need to come into a bigger space. But there's an expectation like these guys had on a Friday and I can aside, if I go there, something's going to happen to me. If I move, something's going to happen to me. That's called faith. Are you understanding this? So what I want to try and communicate today, and I'm going to really need God's help for this and yours, is I want to show you how you can leave your room of isolation and come into a place where God is. I can show you where you can leave your room of maybe just getting on with life and just doing the best you can, but you can come into a spacious place where God wants you to be. And I'm going to show you through Scripture, but also with a demonstration of how Jesus did that for you and how he did it for me. And then we're just going to give time to do that. So today is not, oh, that was a good message, wasn't it? Today is going to be that message has changed my life. Because for me, a good message is not how well it's said, it's how well we respond to it. (laughs) You understand understand that? Too slow. So, so a good message is about how do we, Barbara, I love you. How do we respond to it? Otherwise, I could have recorded this and sent it. But God is going to do something in your life. Just certain a person next to you and say, "God is going to do something in your life." You may not even know that He's going to. You may not even be sure He's going to. But God is going to do something in your life. What am I doing? I'm trying to help you release expectation. You may not have any, but, but God wants to meet with you far more than you want to meet with him. So the Old Testament gives us a bit of a pattern, a pattern so is used lots of times. Uh, I can't, I'm going to need you to help me because you're kind of big and tough. Can you just pull out some chairs for me? Kai is a temple builder. In the Old Testament, uh, God's... Look at him. Just put him down there somewhere, it's fine. Can you kind of put one in each arm? No, okay. Okay. In the Old Testament, um, I'm going to put it this way. In the Old Testament, God God wanted to live with his people. That's his passion. That's his desire. That's his longing. We've been hearing about that for the last few weeks. And... uh, yeah, I should put it like that so you can see. It. But God couldn't allow anybody into His presence because God is holy, isn't He? How many of you know that God is holy? He's perfect. The Bible says that He's holy and righteous. Uh, God has never done anything wrong in His entire uh, I t—I was going to say His entire life, but you know what I mean. So God spoke to a few guys about right. I want to come and live in this room. Just need one more. But I can't have everybody come into the room with me. And those of you that are into eschatology, theology, uh, please don't come and challenge me afterwards. about Well, that wasn't right. Um, check Check the word first and then challenge me. Here was a wall and everybody out this side just did life. They just did what they knew how to do. Some of them believed in God. Some of them did not believe in God. That was it. Uh, some of them were God's people. Some of them were not God's people. This was Jerusalem. All right. Uh, you probably would have seen pictures of a temple with a big dome on the top of it. Uh, that, that, that wasn't this. Uh, that's built on this. All right. There's a retaining wall around there, which you'll see lots of people, uh, Jewish people with their kappas on praying. That, that's not this. Uh, that's the wall that held this up. All right. Just to give you a bit of a three dimensional view. But here was a wall here and anybody could do anything here. They could do what they like, live how they wanted to, talk how they wanted to. And there was a gate there, a door there. This side, only people who feared God can come here. So they knew God was real. They had a concept of God. And the pattern was, yeah, he's God and he's, they knew that he'd rescued them and he knew that they'd delivered them and he knew that he had a plan for them. So there was a fear of God in the sense of we know God is real. Need some more chairs, can Thank you. Now, this has all been proven archaeologically, it's also proven primarily in the Bible. But then there was another wall. This wall was a bit more interesting. Oh, mate. Interestingly on this wall, one of the things that they found recently was some scripture that said basically, if you're not supposed to be in here, then God is gonna judge you. This wasn't a very high wall, it's about two foot high, but what was written on it, if you read it and you didn't believe that there was a God, fear would come upon you, worry would come upon you. I mean, you can do what you like out here, it's fine. But when you come here, you're actually coming closer to where God is. So on this wall was a fear factor. Don't come past this wall unless you believe in God. But this one is even more interesting. You'll see that the gap's narrower because on this one, only one person could come through here. And that was a set apart person. That was a chosen person. That was a called person they had a job description, and that was to be the priest of the God Most High. And they only came through there once. But let me tell you about coming through there once. Although they knew God was a loving God, they were also really, really afraid of God. So this guy had a particular uniform on, a particular costume on, a particular jewellery on, everything which really represented their love for God and God's presence to them. Right? You can find all that out in the Old Testament. But there was two things that this priest also had. Um, And when I first experienced these, as well as read them, I thought this is really funny. The first one was they had a bell on them, or lots of bells. Because in this part of the room, it was full of smoke. And I'll explain why I think it was full of smoke in a minute. But this priest had bells on, and he also had a rope tied round his leg. You know that, don't you? Maybe you don't know that. But I'll explain for me what those two things represent. This guy just went in once, hoping, hoping that God was not just going to kill him. Because God is so pure, he's so holy, so set apart above everybody else and everything else. Their hope was, right, we we need someone to go in here. And we rather hope that it's going to be acceptable and God's going to be all right with it. But just in case, we'll have bells on. So that people here could hear the bells. He'd go in there and they could hear the bells. Not jingle bells, but bells, bells. But then out a rope just in case the bell stopped. So they'd have a rope just here and if it all went quiet, they'd put him out. How cool is that? But I think the smoke was camouflage. Because actually God is so pure, you can't look at him. You can't look upon God and survive. So I think the smoke was camouflaged for the priest, not for God. Are you still with me here? And the Bible calls this the holy of holies. This is is where God is. Everything that God is, is here. Are you still with me here? I know it's a bit of an Old Testament lesson. So out there you can do what you like. You can sing, dance, do life. You can do whatever you want to do. When you come in here, there's a sense of, oh God's just next door. We've got to be a bit careful. But then you come through this bit, one person that was clothed right, that had been trained right, knew what to do, knew what not to do, but just in case there was two emergencies, one was bales, the other was rope. And then suddenly Jesus appears. And Ephesians 2 says he destroyed the wall of division. He didn't negotiate the gap, make it bigger. He took it away. He says, I've taken, I've removed everything that divides you from God. Everything, every fear, every failure, every uncleanliness, every unrighteousness, every single thing that the wall was just revealing, I've taken it myself. Jesus became like that wall for human, for me and it took it away. Which is pretty cool. That means now we're here. We have a sense of God's close. It's nice, God's there, God's there, God's there. But where's my bells and where's my rope? Just in case it doesn't work. So Jesus went through on our behalf and he destroyed that as well. Because he is the great high priest forever. And there are two things which Jesus had, which nobody else had. One was his blood, the other was his body. And the Bible says that his body is now the gate. There's no physical door. There is no literal door. It is our faith in who Jesus is. And the blood that Jesus shed now covers. This blood is like your camouflage. Because when God sees you, when you give your life to Jesus, you receive the camouflage, the blood of Jesus. And when we come to this place, God doesn't see you. He sees you through the filter of the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see what an idiot we've been or how foolish we've been. Now he wants to deal with that and he deals with that through the body given, forgiveness, cleansing and also the blood, which is mercy. Are you still with me here? I'm trying to give you thousands of years of Old Testament history in 10 minutes. So there's behaviour out here. It's fine. You can do what you like. You come at this point, it's actually, hang on a minute. God wants me. There's a pattern that he has for my life. Then you start coming here, it's like, God, you're in the room. What happened in Switzerland was we move from there to here in a moment, Because one after another, people suddenly realise Jesus is in the room. He's walking around my robe, he's sitting on my chair, he's sitting on my life. He's sitting in my need, he's sitting in my lack, he's sitting in my sickness, he's sitting in my condition. Why? Because whatever God touches, God changes. God didn't want you and me to just live outside of a wall. He didn't want you and me just to have one person come in and out once a year. No, he wanted you and me to live here. Here. And there's no way, no way that anybody on the earth was going to be able to do that. So God sent the best he had, which was Jesus. Does this make any sense to you? It's a history lesson, right? Okay. But we've got to get that reality. When you give your life to Christ, that's how it is. God... Okay, for the sense, the analogy is there. But the Bible says, so are you. (laughs) So are you. You're not over there. You're not even here. You're here. In fact, this bit here, only men could go to. Woo! Well, that cuts out half the population of the world for a start. But Jesus came for men and women, didn't he? He came to bring connection back with God's eternal heart, which is I want to dwell with my people, live with, abide with, walk with, share life with, if you like, and I want my people to abide with me. Remember, all of this in the pattern was all God's idea, but God knew there was a better idea. God knew there was a better plan, yeah. uh, which is why Jesus said, you don't, he said, in, is it in, I didn't give any scriptures, did I, Steve? Do you still love me? It's all gone quiet. Do oh. <laughs> <laughs> you still love me? <laughs> Please still love me. Uh, John 4. We looked at this already. John 4, 13 to 30, uh, 24. This is a story that we might have read. Jesus is a bit thirsty, He goes to the well where the water of life is. His expectation from Jesus. If I go there, I'm going to get a drink, right? Even Jesus operated with expectation. Jesus didn't go out into nowhere to get a drink. He went where he knew he would get a drink. And he met this lady from Samaritan, from Samaria. Now, issues in her head. Well, I can't go here because I'm a woman. And actually, as far as Jews are concerned, I'm over here anyway, because I'm not quite as good as they are. That was her thinking. So she she was struggling in all kinds of ways. A, she was a woman. B, she was from the wrong town. But Jesus still met her. Jesus still served her. Jesus still touched her life. Jesus still highlighted the one thing that stopped her from meeting him here, which was the way that she lived. (coughs) Jesus made this interesting comment. Believe in me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. (sighs) Jesus totally wrecked, if you like, all of the pattern of the Old Testament in one sentence. What he said was, if you put your trust in me, you worship where I am. You don't have to go there or there. You don't have to stay here or even here or even just pop in and out of my presence on a Sunday when you're feeling bad. Or maybe at a celebration when you kind of feel as if you you need to give God something. Jesus, it said, is the way. Do we know that? Jesus, one of the first things he said was, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I'm the life. Now, that doesn't mean he's just good at giving signposts. He is the signpost. He is the way. He is the truth. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming. So Jesus is putting it all within the context of this is where it's at. But this is where it's going. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipper the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So Jesus doesn't come to criticise all of this. He comes to change it. Jesus never came to critique the law. He came to fulfil the law. It's just that he knew that a lawbreaker can never be a law fulfiller. And we are all lawbreakers without Jesus. It's a bit like putting the lunatics in charge of the asylum. I don't think we would do that. And what God is saying is, Jesus, God wants you to be able to worship him with intimacy, with with this fear, with this honour that we were looking at last week. He wants you to know who he is in a real way, a way that is gonna totally transform your life. And there's only one way that that can happen, and you can't do that, but Jesus can do that for you. Cool. This is cool. This is life-changing. I think it's life-changing. So there's just some thoughts here. Our heart of worship must be for God and not for preference. Because actually, to be honest with you, and I did say this on Saturday last week, I would have preferred to have been at home or sat on the beach. But my heart was, I want to be where God has put me. I want to be doing what God wants me to do with the people he wants me to be with. So heart has to win over preference. I know this is a bit of a prickly one. I I don't want to choose the songs I use to worship Jesus. They just need to have truth in them. I don't want to sing about me. And I travel around loads of churches and to be honest with you, that's what most of them do. They don't really talk about God. They talk about me and God. Well actually, I just want to talk about God. And I don't want to talk about how I feel about God. I want to talk about the truth about God. Do you understand that? And I've got, okay. If if you find this difficult, then forgive me, but it's true. A lot of churches—they're popular, but they're not powerful. Churches are popular. Oh, let's all sing about me, yay! And you end up there. You never end up here (laughs) because you can do what you like out there, but here, here, when I've encountered God here you very rarely are standing up. Your heart is just pouring out one thing after another, one thing after another. You can't stop. You're, you're praying in the spirit. You're singing in the spirit. You're just groaning, you're just groaning. You're just there because God's in the room with you. You don't care that you were there or there. You're just here and it's all consuming. You lose touch of, did they play my favorite song? No, am I with my favorite person is the key. It's not about whether it was too loud or too quiet. It's like, God, you're too big. The things that sometimes we grapple with seem less important. What is important is, Jesus, you're in the room with me. So it's got to be heart, but not preference. It's got to be spirit-led, but not weird. We all do weird stuff. I do weird stuff. You do weird stuff. Some of it is what we've seen other people do and we think it's fine. Some of it is what we've been shown how to do by leadership, rightly or wrongly, but it's got to be Spirit-led. The Bible speaks about this orchestra of God, this orchestra of the band, this orchestra of of songs and movement and flow and ebbs and flow, and it's only the Spirit can do that. And I've got some places where, again, please don't get offended by this, you play the first song, if people are up and they're waving around and doing stuff. That's fine, but that's out there. And we'll look at whites out there in a minute. Then suddenly God begins to move some of the walls away, the walls of preference and the walls of choice and the walls of jealousy and the walls of celebrity. And he starts taking away the walls of, "eh, oh, look at me, or the walls of, don't look at me. And suddenly you just find that there's only you and Jesus here. And I've been there. I've been through that journey. Constantly going through that journey. What do people think? I don't care what they think. Whatever, because here it's just Jesus. I just want to know what you think. It's not that I don't care, but I, I care more about you and you care more about them. So it's got to be heart but not preference, spirit but not weird, a mind but not our opinion. Because we've got, we've got a heart, we were born with one. We've got a mind, we were given one. But it's gotta be, okay God, do, do you like what I'm doing? Am I offering something that I know you like? Or am I just offering what I like? Because out there, you can do that. Here, you can do it a bit more, here you can't. Because we become the offering here. Yeah. Do you understand that? We become. The offering, we become the portion that God's looking for. You and I become the sacrifice, if you want to put it that way. Although that can sound a bit painful. Sometimes, in my experience, it has been. Uh, Somebody the other day said, what was it really like to meet with God? And I said two words. It's awesome and it's awful, to be honest with you. But it's good. So I want to keep doing it and I know that I can. It's soul, but not soulish. Bible says about worship the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul. Out here, it doesn't matter if it's soulish, because everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Here, there's just a few people did it here. Anything that distracts from who I'm worshiping is soulish. You see how narrow it gets? Yeah. So out there, it doesn't matter. Here, matters a bit more. Here, it all matters because Jesus said some funny things about himself. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That would have freaked them all out for a start. If you want to know whether what God looks like, look at me is what he was saying. But then he said, I'm going now. I've got to move from here through here to here. We're going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of what I've said and what I've done. And the Holy Spirit hasn't come to big up the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's come to big up Jesus. You're still with me here? So Jesus literally lived out there, but he was still related to God as if he was here. Come on. It's cool. His whole life was of worship to his father. His whole language came out of worship to his father. Even when he was being crucified, punished before that, he only only spoke up when somebody was going to lie the truth. You really the son of God? Yes, I am. (laughs) that Jesus lived out there but he lived from here and he put down every division Ephesians says this loads of times Hebrews says this loads of times some other books in the Bible (laughs) but I think for me there's a key here there's two keys particularly one is it's our heart God God, I really I really do want to meet with you I want to give you Everything I can, I want to touch your life. Remember, whatever God touches, he changes. I don't want to live out there in the outer, which is fine. It's okay. I don't actually want to live in the inner either, particularly. It's fine, but it's okay. Now I, You said that I can live here with you. You. you said this is, where, this is where you came for me to follow you. And in Hebrews, it says there are two dynamics. One is a sincere heart. See, our heart's got to be involved. God, I want to meet with you. I want to live for you. I want to love you. I want to give everything that I can for you. And the second one, it's in Hebrews, it says is a full assurance of faith. God, I can. God, I can. God, I can because you've taken the wall away. God, I can because you've given your body. God, I can because you've given your blood. God, I can because you are here and you said I can be where you are. God, I can because you've made the way for me. We don't have to be tall, short, thin, fat, clever, stupid, white, black, pink, green or any other colour you can think of. We don't have to be male or female. We just need to have faith in Jesus. You're here and you want me here. I realise that I'm putting a lot in a little space, but I also know that we prayed, because I spent forty-eight hours trying to communicate this personally, moving from here to here to here, to help people come on the journey with me. So in Psalm 100, you know, which sometimes we can use, and Psalm 100 for me is just an everyday kind of lifestyle. Enter his courts. Enter his courts. So this is just every day. Every day, start tomorrow. Praise your way through the day. Don't praise through gritted teeth. I'm praising because I feel bad. I'm praising because it's Monday. I'm praising because I love God. I'm praising because I love Jesus. I'm praising because I'm, I'm still alive. I'm praising because Monday is a good day to be alive in. And as soon as you start doing that, the Spirit of God will start drawing you up. If you can't praise God, just give him thanks. If you can't think of anything you're thankful for, thank him that you're still breathing. That's quite a good thing to thank him for, because the Bible says God can take our breath away like that. So if you're thinking, I don't know what I can praise God for, there's the reason. (laughs) In all things give thanks. So we enter his courts with thanksgiving, with praise, and suddenly, What happens is is we stop looking at what's stopping us. We start looking at who's drawing us. We stop looking at the reasons why we can't and we start looking at the one reason why we can Praise will always change your heart and your mind and your focus off you. That's why we do Thanksgiving cards every Sunday. Are there enough? Probably not. For me it's a sign that we just need to be much more thankful people. But what I like to hear is before service starts, everybody's chatting. And I go around, and you probably don't know, I'll tell you a secret. I go around, okay, what are they talking about? Not that I'm being like a busybody, but are they, are they thanking God for a great week? Are they thanking God that they survived the car crash, which is what Kai did? Are they thanking the Lord that, ah, that got your attention. That's why he wrote an orange card, because he's thankful, because he shouldn't be here, but he is, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But we've all got something to be thankful for. It's not the measure, it's where we give the measure. The measure you give. And to be honest with you, last week when I was in Switzerland with with Josh, you know, those of you that know Josh, talking to Josh, sometimes you've got to pull a word out. Just talk to me. He's big, he's too big to hit. He's just too big. Talk to me. And as soon as he began to speak, I couldn't shut him up. And I believe sometimes we're a little bit like that. It's, it's God is saying, "Talk to me." Yeah. Well, I've got nothing to talk about. Don't just talk to me. Just be with me. Just bring, share your life with me. I don't know whether we think we have to do something. Just, just be with me. Thank you. Well, I don't know what to do. Just, how would you be with everybody else? <sighs> well, I've got to become a bit more spiritual. I make you spiritual. I've got to become a bit more holy and walk around like I've got this costume on with loads of little maybe some of us like the jewels. I want to be a priest, I'll get an ephod. Behave yourself. It doesn't work like that. You don't need that now. He needed camouflage. We don't. He needed to be recognized as the right person. The blood of Jesus recognizes you and me as the right person. We are the ephod. We are the royal diadem in the hands of God. We are the treasured possession in God's sight. We have become what that pattern represented. Mm, Come on, I love it. When God just, is this making any sense to you? I can't help it because sometimes I look at this scripture and think, God, what are you talking about? I don't, I I can't even pronounce the names. And some of it's just not in the right order. God, do you know what you're doing? He says, look at Jesus. Boom. Well everything that was a pattern, because that's all they could deal with, is now a different pattern. Where something that happened once a year happened once forever. <laughs> Psalm eight verse one and two. I've been asked to say it twice. Say it twice. <laughs> Psalm 8, verse 1 and 2. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants. You have ordained strength or praise, if you've got a new King James, because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Let me tell you, if we cultivate a lifestyle of giving thanks and praise, your enemies will leave the room. Yeah. And I don't care what they sound like, what they look like, whether they got mates, whether they got weapons, whether their biggest weapon is their words. But I tell you, when you begin to praise, when you get to give thanks, <coughs> praise damages problems. It damages them. Praise is a weapon. Then in Psalm 149, 6-7, to 7, this is why it's such a powerful weapon. Psalm 149 says this, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. That's an interesting word, let. It means let. Because if, if God is in our heart, then it's going to come out of our mouth. But sometimes it doesn't feel like God's in our heart, and we need to choose and say, God, I'm just going to praise you anyway. God, I'm just going to set my mind on you anyway. I'm just going to set my heart on you anyway. I'm just going to give you whatever I can give you, even if it's a, grum- even if it's a mumble-humble grumble. I'm just going to give you something. Because once we start to fix our eyes on Jesus, he does what he says he would do. He lifts us. To execute vengeance on the nation. Some of those na- na- uh, nations might be fear, might be rejection. Some of those nations are not just, well, there's a plot of ground out there with people on it. These can represent things that are trying to stop you living out of here. It can be style, can be religion, can be all kinds of things. Spirit response has a spiritual language, spiritual songs, spiritual hymns that praise God and reveal Jesus and release Jesus. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the leader of the band. He is the songwriter. He's the word giver. He's the note producer. But let me tell you, in my own experience, he'll start with a rusty, broken old trumpet like you and me or a worn out, totally cream cracker drum. But as soon as you start playing it for God, he tunes it. As soon as you just start saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna sing this song for the world. I'm not gonna sing it to be popular. I'm not gonna sing it so people like me. I'm gonna sing it because Jesus, I love you. And he tunes the instrument. He puts note, note in it, harmony in it. He puts chords around it. I mean, I, I've heard one person sing a three, three-part chord on their own. Because the Holy Spirit's enabled them. Mm. Go through minor major keys. Two or three people met in the room, sounds like you're with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is an orchestrator of song. And then suddenly the presence of God, and it smells like almonds. Then you start getting a bit, oh, hello, God's in the room. And then suddenly, boom, you're just in front of Jesus. This is on Friday morning. Friday morning, first week of term last week. And we have an hour of chapel service every morning, except on, Wednesday, on Monday at whatever day it was, Friday, started at 8, finished at quarter to 11. You might think, well, that's all right for you. It wasn't. It was extremely painful. In a good way. Because we started out there, came here, came here, and suddenly in the pressing of God, people were getting healed, people were getting set free, people were getting encouraged. God was speaking into people's lives. God was releasing destiny to people. It's the same God. He's not a Friday God. He's an all-time God. Heart response is stirred by love. Our mind response, God is worthy. Our soul response is spirit-led and God-focused. And then there's some postures and expressions, which we can do about them. We're going to have a go at some of these. You ready? This is going to freak some of you out. I'll just say it now. I'll just say it now. That's not my expectation. It's just, it might happen. Are we are all going to stand up for this one. Is that okay? You, can, you, you might want to move around a little bit, but don't fall over the chairs. Here. Um, forgive the pronunciation pronunciation didn't even say that properly. Oh, okay, yeah. Forgive how I say some of these words, because they may not be 100 percent how a Hebrew person would speak them. But the first one is just life. It's halal, which means to praise. Give thanks. Boast and rave. I like that word, rave. If you're under 30, you probably have an idea of what rave means. So take everything that they do in terms of expression, liberty, but focus it up rather than down. Because I think God wants to release a raving spirit. Not a raving idiot spirit, but a spirit that raves. I'm looking at you, he does need to, without being rude. Because once we get filled with the joy of the Lord, nothing's going to stop us down. So that's one word. So to praise, celebrate, boast and rave. So we're just going to take a few minutes to boast about who God is. Now, you may not really know God very well, which is fine. Just say so. Boast is what we focus on. It's what we give most of our attention to. We can boast about strengths and we can boast about weaknesses. We can boast about how well we know God or we can boast about what, how well we don't know God. But boasting is basically magnifying. That, that's what it means. So you may not know God right now. You might be thinking, when's oh, he going to shut up because I want a cup of tea and go home. Talk to God. This is the key. Let's all start from somewhere. All right? So are we all going to do this at the same time. But some of you it might be, oh, I don't want to talk because people are near me. Yes? Because we want to get rid of this wall, which is fear. Is that okay? Do, do we need some, just play something because it just will help people. All right, we do wanna we'll make it easy, not hard. Don't play anything from status quo or anything. Just, just play something that's got God in it. right? <laughs> so we're gonna spend a little bit of time halal in. So if you know God, you can probably think of something already that you wanna boast about God. How good he is, how faithful he is maybe, how kind he is, I don't know. Um, You know, if you kind of know the Bible a bit, you'll know that this morning his mercies was new. Well, boast about that. Sunday needs to hear some boasting about that. Might be you just want to boast about his generosity, his goodness, his faithfulness. And you can speak it, or you can sing it, or you can just, but, but say something. It might just be, God, I don't know what's going on. Please help me. I just don't get it. But I'm gonna trust you in these moments to help me. Well, that's, that's also boasting. Thank mm, you're wonderful, glorious. You're reigning in power, you're reigning in glory, you're reigning in glory, Lord. We heard a little bit of boasting in the Thanksgiving. Emma is boasting about how God provided nearly £100 for her. That's a good boast. Kai was boasting about, you know, God, God, I'm boasting about your, your protection, your power. if you've got a job boast that you've got a job if you haven't got a job boast that you've got time awesome next one we're going to have a go at is yada not yoda yoda's a god star wars this is yada and yada means we use our hands maybe this is like something you already doing you're kind of putting your hands out it's like i'm offering i'm giving but also when you put your hands out it gives god the space to put something in your hands maybe we're like raising our hands it might be well i don't raise my hands well Maybe that's why you've not really met God in a way that he wants you to. Not that it's about raising of hands. But what I've learned about when I raise my hands is it exposes my heart. It makes me vulnerable. But being vulnerable before Jesus is all right. But also it's like a physical funnel where God can pour in through this kind of funnel that i make in everything that he wants to give me. So maybe you just you continue to boast and just give thanks. Maybe you just want to raise your hands. Also for sometimes, and I saw this a little bit a few weeks ago, it's almost like, Father, just lift me up. Father, help me up. Help me be where you, you want me to be. And sometimes it can be like that. It's just like, just Lord, just raise me up, lift me up. And on some of those times, I've literally felt the hand of the Lord grabbing of my hand. And he's just lifted me. And it's been like a fast accelerator and a, and a speedy elevator. Suddenly it's like, wow. That's... Oh God, you're in the room with me. Oh, the next one might be for some of you. It's Taudar or Taudar, which means it's a sacrifice to praise you. And as we were praying this morning, God spoke to me about this. It might just be that our life is just a mess. Our bodies are just a mess. Our minds just a mess. And God is saying, give me the mess and let me touch it. It might be that our whole world is falling to bits. You know, maybe we just run out of space and time and finances. But in the middle of it, God says, no, lay yourself onto me. It's a sacrifice of praise, but let me tell you, God loves those pray, those sacrifices, and He will touch it, He'll change it, He'll consume it, He'll reform it, He'll restructure it. Oh, so just even if you can't think of any reason at all, just focus on Jesus. Oh, I give you glory. Maybe the sacrifices. What will people think? What will people say? Lay it before God. Speak and say something. This is your time. Your moment. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.